Hello, and welcome to the Attractive Christians podcast, where we make Christianity a little less repulsive and a little more attractive and beautiful. I'm Annie, one of the producers. This week, the guys are joined in the studio by special guest CJ Banks, and they talk about the latest updates involving the recent shooting at Lakewood Church, and they share their thoughts on medical ethics. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Follow us on all the socials for videos and announcements. And we want to hear from you. So send us a Gmail at attractivechristians at gmail.com. If you do reach out, you might even be featured on the pod. Then let's hit it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Attractive Christians, the podcast where we try to make Christianity a little bit less repulsive and a little bit more attractive and beautiful and welcoming and so on and so on and so on. Uh, In the studio today, we have me, Ethan Renault, Tucker Lamping. I'm right here. And our special guest, CJ Banks. Hello. We also have Krista filming the clips for us, as always. Krista's last name is Banks, too. No, it's Baker. Oh, my oh. bad. <laughs> <laughs> Two professions. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Banker. <laughs> Banks and banker. Bakers. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I don't know why I had a brain fart like that. Krista, Sorry, Krista. Banks. Krista, that's I, her spine that, name. That's what I was thinking. Of. <laughs> well, I heard Banks, and I was like, oh, wait, that's Krista's last name. But it's not. <laughs> it's I don't know close. Why. Yeah, my bad. CJ, you're the first female guests we've had on who I'm not related to. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had all his sisters on here. No. All of them? How many do you have? Well, no, it was my mom and grandma. Oh. But same thing. He has no, he has <laughs> no sisters. Yeah. I don't have sisters. Well, kind of, but she wasn't like a guest. She just kind of laughed into the mic. <laughs> that's so real. That is so real. Yeah. Because normally if we don't have a guest, like if it's just the two of us, mm-hmm. then our other friend who's normally here We'll just sit there and kind of be a, a background. A like, background, like a laugh track. <laughs> kind of, but like. <laughs> but like, she sometimes participates. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good Good to have you with us. I know CJ from seminary because we had theology class last semester. So if you if you heard the episode a couple weeks ago with Dr. Ryan Tafalowski, we CJ and I were in that class together. And it was super good. It was such a good class. They're not friends, though, because Ethan has no friends. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, he follows no one. That's it. On Instagram. He doesn't even follow me on Instagram. Mm. Mm. Does Jesus have an Instagram? I'm glad he doesn't, honestly. (laughs) He would be appalled. That would be like the only person Ethan followed on Instagram. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be interesting if Jesus did. What would he post? I just met CJ today. So nice to meet you, CJ. Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, right. What would he post? That would be funny. That's a good question, yeah. I doubt he'd use it anyway. I'm trying to think of a good joke. Like he'd probably make reels, to be honest. <laughs> he'd be like, "Here's my story. Like, here's <laughs> here's what I'm all about." Yeah, but at the same time, how many times did he tell people to follow him? I couldn't quantify. <laughs> 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 profound, very profound, Ethan. <laughs> um, I don't think that they meant Instagram. <laughs> he didn't. Maybe <laughs> someone just starts an Instagram account. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure that it already exists. <laughs> it might probably. actually. Yeah. The bio just says follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's dive into some crowd surfing. Crowd surfing. This is our new segment where we look at some of the listener feedback we've been getting. So I have two emails. Uh, one, we have listeners now. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> who awesome. offer feedback. Cool. Listeners I'm not related to. Um, we, 
So we have... Same. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, shout out to Miriam White, our first email. She said... I listened to this podcast on hell a month ago, and it was such a relief to me to learn that I have more than two options. Uh, oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> that was the one we covered hell on. I was like, wait, she listened on <laughs> in hell? hell? Wait She's a second. In hell on. Wait a second. On, on, not on in hell. hell. <laughs> well, no, I didn't think in hell. I, I heard on hell, and oh. I was like, what's hell? Like, is that some <laughs> new? Is, are we uploading to what? hell now? What? Is that some new streaming <laughs> Oh. I don't, I don't know. I was just like, wait it's a like, second. Wait, you're a Christian? You don't know what yeah. hell is? Well, so, no, so according to Christian doctrine, <laughs> we'll just redo that whole but, uh, episode. Yeah, so. Well, yeah, yeah, I get it now. She listened to our episode on hell. Anyway. I listened to your podcast on hell about a month ago. <laughs> and it was such a relief to learn that there was more than two options. Uh, I didn't want to believe in eternal conscious torment and couldn't believe in universalism. Since then, I've gone home to visit family. My dad is someone with very strong conservative beliefs who is becoming more and more passionate about saving people from hell. Ethan's input is that's probably a good thing as long as... I don't know. It depends on how you present that. Mm. Uh, listening to him mm. has made me actually want to learn more so that I can articulate my own thoughts. Do you suggest any good books on where to start? I also love the creation podcast. Uh, that was also interesting. I need to read up on it more. And then um, thanks, best, Miriam. And so I recommended the book to her. I replied to her already. I said oh, nice. The book, uh, Four Views on Hell. Which was put out by Zondervan. Oh, edited, yeah. It's edited by my homie Preston Sprinkle. Opinion books. Yeah, where there's like the f- mm-hmm. four people who, four opposing who hold, views. yeah, and maybe opposing, written by the four people who hold those views. You had a homie who wrote one. Uh, so Preston Sprinkle, who does the theology in the raw podcast, oh, okay. I was on his video series a couple years ago, Christian Sexuality, and we hung out, and uh, he's a good dude. Mm. But he mm. also edited that that book, so he didn't write oh, one okay. of the four views, but he compiled it and edited yeah, it and whatever. Cool. Yeah, he's a good. He also wrote the book. Erasing Hell with Francis Chan. Wrote or edited? Uh, it says like Erasing Hell by Francis Chan with Preston Sprinkle. Oh, so I don't know what a that means. Co-author maybe of some sort. Maybe he just watched him write it. He was just standing there. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was like, well, I'm here. I'm with him. <laughs> he was hanging out. <laughs> I don't like, know. Yeah, just put my name on that. <laughs> I don't know. but Like the group project. He's getting know? bigger yeah, and bigger, <laughs> you know, because of the Theology and the Raw podcast. Okay, and yeah, yeah. The so Exiles in Babylon. Four, four Views on Hell. And I think... I kind of developed a lot of my just like basic introduction on hell from was it mere Christianity? <laughs> Somebody's hungry in here. Um, was it mere? I'm Christianity? always hungry. I'm totally drawing a blank because it's been so long. Honestly, about hell? No, no, just about like where I started, kind of on that journey of like the great divorce. Is it the great divorce? About what's it about? I'm totally blanking right now. Well, I'd I would to, start I'd with the four views yeah. <laughs> just for an overview of yeah. the four views. But there's plenty of great books I've read. Honestly, really, really hot take. But the book Love Wins was was I thought good. I like Is Rob, that Rob Bell. Bell. Yeah, yeah. Like it has so much. It has a um, what's it called? Like a reputation for being so controversial. Oh yeah. But I thought it was good. He just asked a lot of good questions, brought up some good stuff that you're like, huh. Well, good at it from a different like way. Bell. Yeah. You know, a little bit of heresy never killed anybody, <laughs> except that it did. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but um I thought that was an interesting book too. Mm. Yeah. Um and then our second email is from our homie Chad Denton, who Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He Chad. said, Hello. 
this is a long email, so I might skim over certain parts. But he said, <laughs> I apologize if this is obnoxious, but as a historian, I'm almost writing this email through instinct. The Fourth Crusade was not really an accident. They knew they were in Constantinople. Remember oh, we this talked was about when we were this talking about, yeah. last so week? The Fourth Crusade, we were talking about Crusades, and the Fourth Crusade I always found kind of funny because they just, like, sat Constantinople and then went home with all the loot instead of going to the Holy Land. They thought okay. they were in Jerusalem, apparently. But, but he's saying they, they knew the whole time, which he that has makes sense. Yeah, long I, paragraph. I totally get that. <laughs> he has, yeah, here's a long paragraph kind of expanding on what actually happened. He says they planned to invade Egypt since from the past Egypt was how whatever Islamic – I'm not sure if there's a typo or something. Basically, it's a long email <laughs> about <laughs> – Sorry, how, Chad. Chad, we appreciate the email. Ethan read it, I'm guessing. what actually happened. Yeah. He's like – he knows his stuff, obviously. I'm guessing he just wrote this all off the top of my head. But he's dropping the Croatian city of Zara mm. um, and like all these – like, there were some names in here I didn't know before, like uh, Baldwin II. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I guess we weren't 100% right on that, on our summation of the Fourth Crusade. <laughs> I don't, to be quite honest, I'm not going to claim that I was trying to be like 100% accurate. It's more for the, the humor aspect that, yes, they did not make it to the Holy Land. And that's probably a lot of good information that, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm maybe sure should, they knew that they were the going to Constantinople anyway because they wanted to sack it and loot it. And maybe we should put okay. Here's maybe we'll put Chad's email in the episode notes yeah. so people, if they're curious about <laughs> we reading will. all about the Fourth Crusade, it's valuable information. It's yeah. good information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Fourth Crusade specifically because that one's kind of funky. So we were wrong. We don't know anything about the Crusades. We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks, Chad, for listening and for. Helping fill us in on some of the details. Yeah, bringing some valuable feedback. Yeah, so that's it for crowd surfing. Should we move on to some wrecks? Run, 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 wrecks. All right, Tucker, what do you have for us? <laughs> Throw me on the spot. I can go first if you want. You go, you go first. Well, I mean, I, I was going to like re-recommend something, but oh. that's just because that's like where I've been at lately because I went zero dark 30 on everybody. Because he had a world. baby. Because I had a baby. Baby Jose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not Jose. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, it's Jose. It's uh, Jose. Oh, I love that. Jose. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. But Ethan that's calls a, him Jose. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I could I can jump in. Basically, I've been doing. Um, I, I've been trying to stay consistent with it, but uh, using my 1662 Common Book of Prayer, Book of Common Prayer. I don't know why I'm blanking on it. One of the two variations of that BCP, Book of Common Prayer. Yeah. So very cool. If Have you ever used like the Book of Common Prayer just in general at all? Or like I haven't. Been to a lot of liturgical churches? Um, basically, uh, it's just a collection of a lot of, I, I don't know how to like describe prayers. it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> prayers. Um, like prayers and like um, rites for services and things like that. Cool. And so it's you know, what was essentially formed through the, I I don't know, it would be what the three great, larger kind of councils and then just a lot of Christian traditions. So that would be what Nicene, the, uh, is it Athanasian? Yeah. The, is the Athanasian creed, the apostles creed, the Nicene creed, but from those councils, definition. Chalcedonian. So basically a lot of the stuff developed in those 
gatherings and then a lot more tradition kind of built on top of it. So you kind of like go through all the different uh, creeds and prayers and there's like a morning prayer and an evening prayer you can do. Are you trying to turn me off now? <laughs> no. no, it just seemed fitting. Oh. This is the prayer sound. Um, the prayer that's, sound. The, that's the prayers. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I hear that every time I pray. The clouds just part. Do you hear like a big deep voice what just do speaking yeah. down to you? Son. What would you like? White haired, bearded man. <laughs> but it's a great tool, I think, for like morning prayers and evening prayers and just like any type of prayers you have in general that you can't really or don't really want to think of. It kind of like helps you with those words. Mm. Um, It follows the liturgical calendar so you can like do different sections based off of where you're at in the liturgical year. I'm trying to think about what else I would add to this about it. It's honestly just a really cool resource. So that's awesome. Yeah. Highly recommend. Again, I recommended it before, but yeah, I've been using it a lot. Nice. CJ, do you want to go next or you want me to go next? I have a really good recommendation. Ooh, okay. I've actually been recommending this book to all of my friends. It's called The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. Oh. Um, I'm, I might be wrong about this. Uh, I think she, while she was writing it, she was a Christian and then converted to Judaism throughout mm. writing the book. And it's a theological exploration of the problem of evil in a narrative form. Mm. So it's, it's mm. a story and it, it kind of goes through all of the characters' sufferings and um, just asks the question, like, what is the meaning behind all of this? And mm. it's not only really profound, but it's also just like a really, really good story. It's really well written. Mm. Super. The Sparrow. Mm. It's got over 5,000 reviews on Amazon, so that's a good. It's a good one. I'm surprised I haven't heard of that before. Yes. It's very visceral. It's very real. You know, they talk about suffering in a way that a lot of Americans, especially in our comfort, don't really consider because, you know, we just have it so good <laughs> mm-hmm. compared to... It's pretty easy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like we're sitting in our really comfy air-conditioned houses and we're like, why does suffering <laughs> exist? Yeah, no, literally we're asking these questions as though we have... Going out of the grocery store, get all the food you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's wrong with the world? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm not going to do the good. voice. Sorry. The That's suffering okay. voice? Yeah, I'm not going to do the suffering voice. The angry at God I don't voice. make the suffering the voice. The Karen of suffering? Yeah. <laughs> the theological Karen? Yeah. Theo Karen. <laughs> Yo, band name. Okay, so The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. Mm-hmm. That looks good. Mm-hmm. What's It says uh, book one of two. Yes. What? So the second book, Children of God, honestly, I love her, love Miss Russell, great author, but Shouldn't have written it. <laughs> I think. I think. Does she come back to Christianity. Yeah, right. I think. <laughs> or proceed to Islam. Oh yeah, just keep changing. <laughs> just keep, yeah. I wrote this book when I switched to Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, she reads, uh, listens to this and just hears you roast her. <laughs> no, yeah. Part three: On to Hinduism. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is interesting how people will change their minds like that when exploring you know, those theological topics. And you wonder why you start to think, you know, what is it about suffering that that made her change from Christianity specifically to Judaism? Mm. Yeah. What is it just her is it her like experience with suffering or is it more of just a deep dive into general suffering? It's it's a fiction. Oh, so okay. she has like characters, basically a bunch of uh, what is it, priests, a group of priests that f- discover life on another planet. And they make a secret mission to go explore this planet and evangelize the aliens there. They believe if, if there is a world with intelligent life, that 
we have an obligation to preach the gospel. And it's also like a sociological exploration of kind of what you guys were talking about earlier, crusades and Hmm. can we, you know, are we, are we supposed to change people's culture and Hmm. put ourselves in that scenario when we have, when we know nothing about them? Are we still obligated to give them what we believe is true? Hmm. Even if it causes warfare or general conflict. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, space noise for the space people. Yeah, um, that reminds me of uh, what's the is the uh, silence with the is it the Jesuit priests mm, that go to that's is it China? Too. Yeah, oh, they go yeah. To China? yeah, yeah. I don't know. That kind of reminds me of that, like the the Japanese writer, it's Japan, Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that's kind of just what I was thinking about. I While you were explaining that, that, it sounded similar to me. Right, oh really? Yeah, I read it right story. after I read the Sparrow mm-hmm. because I was on a deep dive of the problem oh, wow. of suffering and and evangelism, and I just like mm. it was a good one. Yeah, that one's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. It's a novel, though. I found out. Oh, it's is not. It? It's not true. Oh, but it's like inspired by things that actually happened. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that messed up stuff actually did it happen. Did. Wasn't it there a movie happen. too? Yeah, yeah. It, it was like a with de- Liam Neeson movie and Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. That oh, was he in that? Andrew Garfield is and a priest, bro. I forget who's how the many other. Times it's, who's the other one? It's Andrew Garfield, Liam Neeson, and one other really big name. Was it? I keep wanting to say Christian Bale, but I don't no, think it is. No. I would remember <laughs> if it was Christian Bale. Oh, really? You big Christian Bale fan? I'm not a huge Christian Bale fan. I just think it's he's uh, cute. the guy. With, uh, what's his, the guy with the big nose? Silence. Um, um, Liam Neeson, Andrew Garfield, Adam, Adam Driver. Driver. Oh that's yeah, that's why. Because he was he was in my mind, but I was like, yeah. thinking Christian Bale, but it was Adam Driver. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that. I don't know. That's what I was thinking about when you're explaining it. Such a messed up concept. What is Adam Driver? <laughs> The concept of Adam Driver. He is so large. Why does he exist? Why is his nose so big? Nobody will ever know. Bro, his hands, dude, they're like the size of this table. Isn't what there is, a what's gigantism? Like the meme about him? Oh. What's what's like the thing about Adam Driver that like everybody points out? They're like, oh, he's so hot. Oh, he's, he's on a, a horse. Actor. Is that it? Is he always on a horse? What? I've seen a photo of him on a horse and I never forgot. So. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard of that. What the Adam heck? Horse Driver. Um, <laughs> cattle driver. <laughs> That's funny. Um, interesting. Well, I don't. I don't have anything more about Adam Driver to to share. But Ethan, yeah, Krista. <laughs> oh, he's got he, big ears. Yeah, he's got he's got large. Just got big stuff. Yeah, he's just, he's just big large. equipment. <laughs> Call that heavy machinery, um, dude. That's like my son. He's got huge hands, TMI. big ears. Nah, dude, you don't. You don't even know him. You never even met my son, baby dude. Jose. Uh. Um. Anyway, I've been I've been using that a lot. People would be like, "Oh, what do you got going on?" I'll be like, "Yeah, I got to go see my son." And like, people just don't believe me. They don't believe that you have a son. No, no, because I'm young. You know, it's like, oh. yeah, it's a thing. That's probably people what just, they said to God too. Oh. Yeah, do you have a son? He's like, yeah. <laughs> the Jews didn't believe him. Yeah, dude. They don't believe me either. <laughs> you, yeah, you get it. You. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. How many Jewish people have you told about your son? <laughs> Just the ones where that asked about circumcision. Um, but it was usually like the, the doctors. <laughs> Why was, isn't that sound working? Well, I guess it wasn't. It was, a, it was a nurse. It was a Jewish nurse. There we go. <laughs> Anyways, my wreck is um have you have any of you guys watched the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith show on Amazon Prime? Mm-mm. No. It's so good. 
like it is called Mr. and Mrs. Smith, has absolutely nothing to do with the movie mm. of the same name with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. This show is like so artistic and very like the cinematography is really beautiful mm. and it it's like semi action but it's more about the relationship between the mystery like basically there's this spy network where they will randomly assign a man and a woman to act married it's the same for their concept missions. as the movie right no no cuz they're actually married in the movie yeah but oh, they okay. don't know that the other one is a spy in the movie. Oh, but in the show, they know. But in the show, they sign up to be part of the spy program or whatever. Mm. And they know that they're going to be paired up with another spy because apparently, like, couples are less conspicuous than a single person mm-hmm. spying or doing missions yeah, or whatever. Don't, don't no one trusts single people. Yeah, no one <laughs> expects a, uh, a, a couple, a married couple, to be, like, on a mission or something. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover, and this other actress who I don't know. I forget her name. Um, she's Asian. She's really good. They're, they're both really good. But So anyway, they get paired up. It's kind of like an arranged marriage. They meet the first time, and they're like, okay, now we're married legally, I guess. And cool. they have their new names, no Jane and John Smith. Oh, John Turturro's in it. Yeah, so every episode has a different big-name actor, and they do different roles. And it's oh, just okay. like it's it's – it's hard to explain. It's it's about the relationships and the different, like on some of them they're on missions, on some of, and the one I just watched they're seeing a couples counselor, and the whole the whole episode is their counseling session. But oh, as they're talking about stuff, there's flashbacks to missions they were on, and so <laughs> like the dynamic between them as a married couple, and now they're talking about this with a marriage counselor who doesn't know that they're spies, who, it's it's. Wait. So they're telling the counselor about their spy missions? Well, they keep saying we're software engineers. Gotcha. <laughs> and they're oh. like, we were coding, and she just jumped in and stepped on my feet and tried to take over on this coding assignment we had. And she's like jumping on his feet while they're killing people. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, okay, and she okay. like took the shot and <laughs> killed the guy when he was like, I had it under control, that type of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's so, it's just, it's so well, like as I'm watching it, I love having this feeling where I'm like, oh, this is so well done. That's good. That's Versus a good just feeling. like, oh, this is entertaining. It's like a good steak. Yeah. yeah. Like, not just like, oh, this is entertaining yeah. or, oh, this is just like funny. But it's it, it's kind of everything. And it's like an original feel to a action show, I guess. So, yeah, I recommend Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's like, it's I think it's definitely M.A. rated, but it's not like terrible. M.A.? Mat- is that mature? Yeah. Oh. Master's degree. You have to have a <laughs> master's degree. Yeah. <laughs> you have to watch this. You have to yeah. have a degree. You have yeah. to you upload have to be your post grad. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, upload your dissertation. To, <laughs> what did we recommend recently that was really graphic? And we were like, we kind of recommend it, but not really. You recommended it. Or I don't did we it recommend was. it? I don't know. It was a movie, <laughs> but I think. This, it's like there's some adult stuff, but it's not terrible. What was it, Krista? Oh. Some movie I've never. Oh, you know what? Yeah, it was, was some it like cube. It was some weird movie that you said that was like kind of a snuff film oh, or something. Oh, the cube. That's probably what it was. Or was I, it? I no. I've heard of that. What is it was that? It's good. The cube. It's really good. <laughs> it's about a bunch of people trapped in this like maze, and they have to kind of like do math to get out of it. It's God, crazy. I would die. I would but, die so fast. But it's also kind of like Saw. It came out like four years before Saw did. But they keep get if they get a problem they, wrong or something, they get like kind of that killed same idea, in yeah. crazy ways. It was back yeah. when people liked that stuff. 
That was like the age of new metal and people songs. still love that Senseless stuff. Senseless violence. It was like uh, that was like the age of of Limp Bizkit and Listen, Saw One. I'm still in that it, age, bro. Yeah. I still be listening. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, so that's, that's like a twofer. The Cube. What was the what? What do we recommend? I don't remember. I don't know. I'm always watching crazy stuff. You know, after your Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Smith recommendation it reminded me of a show that I watched a long time ago on Prime. Because I don't, I don't know. Sometimes Prime shows are like hit or miss, mm-hmm. but it's called Patriot. Not that I Patriot, tried just to watch Patriot. that. I could not get into you it. You got to get through like the first few episodes because they do a lot of building. Oh. Um, but like the first episode felt like it had ADHD. I was like. He's here, he's here, he's here, he's back with his wife, and I was separated from her for three months. And I well, was like, if you rewatch it, give, give it another shot, because that was one of those shows where I felt a similar way, and I felt like, wow, this is really well-directed and filmed and written. It's yeah. like a really good show. Cool. But it kind of flew under the radar. Like, not a lot of people watched it, I don't think. Mm, yeah. My um, parents did, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. It's like a dude who's... Like, uh, his, he's like in a family situation where he's in the CIA and his dad like runs the CIA. Mm-hmm. It's like an Osama bin Laden type. Oh, dang. Commun- or terrorist situation. To be honest, I don't know like if that. I finished the first episode. I can't remember. I, I think like, it's like supposed happening? to be under like the Bush years or something like that. And he's in, um, Amsterdam and like he yeah. has a job and he's like kind of depressed and like, Valid. but it's like so jumpy and riding a bike around <laughs> like, Amsterdam, yeah. like depressed and the life. Yeah. It's pretty funny actually. I don't know. I thought it was a really good show, Yeah, but yeah, you should rewatch it. Try it again. Give I'll, it another shot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a second wreck. Yeah. <laughs> a reheated wreck. I'm <laughs> reheated wrecks. That's funny. All right. Well, you got a headline for us, Tucker. Headlines. Yeah, I do. For the sake of making our meat section long. Um, <laughs> oh, that sounded so Yikes. Bad. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. We always try to make it appropriate. Also, you know what I just oh, realized, no. Tucker? We did not shout out Annie and Mark, our producers. We'll do it again at the end, and she can just put it at the front. Maybe we'll just do we'll it. do it right now. Yeah. Shout out Annie and Mark, our producers. <laughs> <laughs> No, we actually love you guys. Thanks. We just jumped right into it today. Well, yeah, uh, I named totally the four spaced. of us and forgot yeah. Annie and Mark. Wow. I, you know, I knew you were missing something in there. Yeah. <sighs> I, Sorry. I just couldn't remember what it was. I'm going to fire myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're fired. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> on a less humorous note. Um, oh, wow. It was going back to, did you hear about the uh, Lakewood Church deal um, yeah. with Joel Osteen's church? Uh, somebody tried to shoot it up and oh my gosh. it was... Um, we talked about it last week. Nothing actually happened, yeah, except for, well, not nothing happened. <laughs> Nobody but the shooter died. There were a few injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and Did one her of them son die? Was her son. He, I don't know if he's died yet. I haven't seen anything. I guess he's in critical condition. But the whole service this last Sunday at Lakewood Church was like, basically all about it. So I, I've, I found an article on Christian Post on it, and then I watched through, like, a chunk of the service because the Christian Post article is about how Joel Osteen, like, decided he started weeping during a prayer. Mm. When I watched it, it didn't really seem so much, like, weepy, but I guess, you know, it kind of goes back to, like, we were talking briefly about, like, how was Joel Osteen really going to respond to the whole matter? Mm-hmm. But they did pray for the kid. He was, you know, it seemed pretty genuine that he was concerned uh, the the article has a lot of the quotes on like what he was saying specifically. Mm. Um, it wasn't really like that 
much of a part of the service. It was really brief, like kind of small segment in the whole thing. And they basically just had like a lot of people on stage talking about it. And it is kind of like the prosperity gospel version of like a, a trauma bond where, yeah, you know, every, like, oh, this is the Lord's plan. You know, we're just so grateful. I don't know. It's, it was an interesting thing to watch mm. if you're interested in watching an hour and a half of Joel Osteen. Nope. Um, but <laughs> it was, he was like smiling the whole time again. Cause like in the, he was still in the first, well, he was yeah. He kind of has this like public speaking smile. He's just like kind of semi-smiling when he's talking, you know? Yeah. If you've ever watched him at it's, all. Yeah, his smirk. Um, yeah, so he kind of had that the whole time. And then he got serious when he talked about the kid. Mm. Um, so, you know, basically, you know, the Lord, we left up to seven-year-old boy Samuel. He was injured by no fault of his own. We know it. Apparently know he's still alive, what looks which impossible, is good. Even though med- medical reports don't look good. I know he's in your hands, Lord. Thank you for his destiny and his life. It's come to pass. It's just a bunch of stuff like that, basically. Mm. And then he kind of like covered his face and like walked away. And then they reset the mm. stage and did music. So I don't know. In a weird way, I don't want to make any claims on this. Kind of felt like it was a part of the production. But I don't know. It, it was weird. Yeah, I think at least with how I feel about Joel Olsting, like this sensationalization of this kind of thing might might be a problem, but that's hmm. probably just because I think that Joel Osteen is not great. Yeah, it's, it's something we can all agree on for sure. Well, it's hard because, um, like, it's a tragic event, no matter mm-hmm. whose church it is. Totally. That somebody would walk in and want to open fire on a church service. But what happened was the off-duty cops who were doing security at the church saw that she came in with an AR-15 and shot her they basically like before her before bef- she got before she could do any yeah. any anything to anyone else which is good yes. yeah. that they yes were on top of it they saw her they spotted her they put it down apparently one other man got shot in the leg and then he's fine and the kid got hit in the and head the kid got something. shot in the head um, had to have his frontal part of his frontal lobe removed it said oh no but he's alive still so wow. that's good yeah it sounds like he's doing well and i'm sure the one thing i will say is i i don't doubt that Jill Osteen like actually cares for the kid right cuz in that situation like i don't know granted even if you're you know sensationalizing it a little bit you you pr- you definitely still like feel for the situation. Absolutely. I don't know. I guess, yeah. I'm not. I can't totally speak for him if he does or doesn't. But my first thought is like I don't know. I would imagine that he does care. Of course, yeah. Right. So it's not like an ingenuine in in di, dis, disingenuous. Dis, there we go. Disingenuous. Like um, I don't know. I'm I'm just at a, at oh, a fall yeah. for words. Sorry. It's like I don't know. I, I just don't think that he's being disingenuous. Uh, expressing his concern, but the way that it happened in the service and what I saw, right. it, it feels a little bit like it was, you know, uh, staged a bit. Right. But I guess that makes sense when you're running a church of, you know, I don't know, 300,000 people or something. Right. Here's my thought, my off the top of my head, not knowing him, not knowing many details about oh, you this don't know whole him? thing. Um, I, I went to his church once. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> And you and don't know him, dude? You didn't meet him? No. Didn't, like, Actually, he was gone the Sunday I went there, oh, really? so they had a guest preacher. He didn't personally <laughs> ask you for money? <laughs> no, I think, you're okay. You're Ethan Renault. So you're he, that shirtless runner guy. You're that dude. <laughs> so here's my thought on this whole thing. Mm. The way that they're responding to the shooting and to this tragedy is 
how most churches would, mm-hmm. right? It's a good thing to weep and to lament. The issue, I think, is the rest of their theology that they've taught for the past several decades, which doesn't fit, that doesn't mesh well with grief and right. tragedy. That's and, a really good point. Um, yeah. What's the word? Uh, lament, right? Yeah. So, like, at a lot of good churches, they will make a regular habit. Like, for example, we just did Ash Wednesday this past week, right? We observed that, and that's a time to reflect on mortality and suffering and joining Christ as he joins us in our sufferings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have not, from what I can tell, made a habit of lament and grief and loss right. until something happens in their face that's so unignorable or un- undeniable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That they have to be like, oh, yeah, actually suffering does happen. It's not and just happy, clappy you can be church. Traumatized and, yeah. and then they kind of embrace that whole narrative. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. I think that definitely hits the nail on the head with that type of movement, like the word of faith movement, because... Like, follow Jesus, and your life will be great, and you'll be rich and have a great family. Yeah, you basically, know, like, like, nothing bad will happen to you mm-hmm. if you're doing it right. Right. And then and I've got, you know, really close friends that are deep in this type of movement, which it's like, that's basically how they think. Like, mm. if something bad happens to you, it's probably because you didn't have enough faith. Ouch. So... Generally speaking, I think you're you're spot on. It would be I don't know. I, I think it would be interesting to see what they actually do, like for the for the kid if they yes. like do if, with, with a church that's so big and has so many resources. Oh, they're a very wealthy. Church. I would imagine. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just I, w- I would I would wonder if if they were able to. I don't know. That was my first question. Yeah. Like do something yeah. for the kid. Yeah, I think that'd be a really cool response of them to be like, yeah, like this was quote-unquote, the child of our enemy, right? Mm-hmm. The person who literally came to shoot up our church. And we want to respond by blessing him and taking care of him. And, you know, he like lost maybe his, his mother. Maybe finding a family yeah. for him yeah, in the church. Who knows? Mother. Yeah, like I'm but, sure there'd be someone there that, that would adopt him. Who knows? But regardless, I think the issue is not how they're responding now. I think the mm-hmm. issue is their theology that they've taught for years. That's how, the concerning part, yeah. Yeah. How is the congregation going to reckon with this evil if that's what Osteen has been teaching. I don't know what his, I'd be really curious if he has ever, I'm sure he has, but like, I wonder what his thoughts prior to this past week are. Like 200,000 hours of Osteen Yeah, let's listen through all of his sermons and just see like what he said about (laughs) lament or loss or grief or, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I don't know. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. <laughs> the phase out. Um, well, nonetheless, yeah, definitely be praying for this seven-year-old kid. Samuel is his name, mm-hmm. and um, just a big tragedy for for that whole situation. Hopefully, mm. we see what happens there yeah. going forward. But uh, CJ, you came with some meat for us. <laughs> with some meat. Meat, meat. Okay, take it away. Well, I, yeah, I wanted to talk about something that I'm really passionate about, which is medical ethics. Hmm. I'm in seminary right now to become a hospital chaplain. And uh, that's kind of like a stepping stone to what I want to do, which is do like clinical ethics. Hmm. And um, I wanted to talk about it because I think there are a lot of issues right now that are controversial that have to do with medicine, like euthanasia and abortion and things like that, that require a positive Christian presence 
and Christian thought, because right now the most prominent medical ethicist is Peter Singer. He's a, a utilitarian, which basically means his view on what hospitals should be doing is the greatest good for the greatest amount of people. And while that sounds conceptually pretty great, it can cause some problems when it comes to like policy and research ethics and mm. things like that. So, yeah, I think it's inherently theological because it has to do with treating human beings and how we accommodate people inherently is affected by how we view human dignity. Like I recently had a friend tell me, why do we try to save everybody's life? We shouldn't. We shouldn't be trying to save everybody. And this was in the context of um, somebody was having some issues delivering a child. And mm. her perspective was just let nature take its course. So that oh, mm. wow. that is a biocentric perspective, which is very prominent in medical ethics right now. Mm. That biology is the ultimate ethical power and mm. that we really have no say on what biology wants to do and that any intervention is unethical. Mm. And so it, it kind of comes down to how do we view human dignity and are we willing to allocate resources in a way that considers other aspects than human dignity, like profession or gender even. Things like um, during COVID, that was a big deal, allocating resources. Who gets the ICU? Who gets the bed? Mm. The older gentleman or the younger lady? You know, so it's it's all about how we categorize people, how we view their worth and uh, I think more Christians need to be involved in these conversations, especially with issues of abortion and euthanasia, because mm -hmm. it's not only about like, what is our role as Christians, but also like what are hospital Christian hospital employees being made to do against their own ethical perspectives? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember, I remember last semester, you might remember this day in class, if you were, I'm guessing you were there, but um, maybe <laughs> I yeah. was out a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was one. There was one week when Tafalowski was talking about when his son was in his wife, when she was pregnant with her son. <laughs> oh, wait, she was pregnant? <laughs> she was. When... Well, Is that how let that me works? Restart. <laughs> when Where did you babies come from? <laughs> wait, <laughs> when the baby she, wasn't just like attached on the outside <laughs> when she was pregnant. <laughs> okay, he, she kind of grew him like an egg, like, a, like an outer, on the outside, kind of like a blister <laughs> pocket, you know. Anyway, anyway, yeah. when his wife was pregnant with their son, uh -huh. he had some issue. I don't know the details. He had something that could present like Down syndrome or something inside the womb. I think you've told me this story actually. Mm -hmm, probably. And the doctor looks at Tafalowski. Yes. And mm -hmm. were you there for that day? No, but I know what he's about to say because this is the case with many kids, many people who get tested for Down syndrome. With their yeah. Kids. And and so Tafalowski looks at the, or sorry, the doctor looks at Tafalowski and she's like, so he, there's a good chance he has Down syndrome. Do you want to explore other options for the pregnancy? <laughs> Woo! That's <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and like, and Tafalowski's like, uh, no, that's my son. Why would I? Yeah, you know, like of course, right? Like that is so ableist. Well, yeah, for yes, and I mean, I, again, yeah, very like uh, if if they're not going to have a good quality of life outside the womb, let's just yeah, explore them. other options. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I'm wondering if like if the doctor was required to ask them that 
That's because that could concept, be a really interesting yeah. thing. But the other thing I, I heard someone say recently, he's like, my brother has down. I think it was a comedian. He's like, my brother has Down syndrome, and he's like, it's really funny to hear people talk about this lower quality of life mm-hmm. that Down syndrome people have. Because <laughs> he's like, have you ever met a Down syndrome person? They are, so happy. are they ever having a bad time? <laughs> are they ever <laughs> having a low quality of life? We're the ones on antidepressants. They're the ones who are just vibing. No, literally, so, yeah. that's true. Yeah. That reminds me of um, one. What, what show was it we went to? There was this like. Down syndrome kid like that jumped <gasps> that was into the pit. August Burns Red. And there was some like uh, he had a. It was his dad or some. Like, I think he was a caretaker. Or caretaker. Something. Someone was like in there with him, like helping him out. But <laughs> but then at so one point funny. the kid was so stoked. <laughs> at one it. point the caretaker lost the kid with Down syndrome. <laughs> yeah. and he, he walked up to us. He's like, "Have you have you seen that that kid I was with?" And we we're like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was a, a pretty massive big, pit. It was a big pit. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh funny. my gosh! Yeah, was, so that was Krista kind of funny. was at that show anyway. Too. That 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 just is what it reminded me of because that kid was stoked. He was to a get dog. in the pit. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think that that's the general problem is that because we have access to so many resources and we're so entitled, just as people, the question of quality of life is more important than dignity of life. And I think mm. um, the medical system in and of itself has a list of principles, beneficence, uh, respect for autonomy, uh, justice, and non-maleficence. And those are like the main the main things that they operate by. Don't mm. cause harm, respect the person's autonomy, do it as justly as possible, and just respect the person. But quality of life is not guaranteed for anybody. Mm. And no. for right. n- it is the medical system's responsibility to cater to that, to make people's quality of life as good as possible, but at what cost? So to what extent can we actually make that happen? Because if we don't have any limits, then we start to get, you know, messing with genetics and like you said, deciding who gets to live based on whether or not they're going to experience life a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the issue in general is what is my perspective of what a good life looks like? How can I somehow predict that using my own experience? And then how do I make an ethical decision based off the theoretical consequences of my own experience for somebody else that I don't know how they're going to live? I don't know what they're going to think. So once you get into utilitarianism and consequentialism, you're thinking it's, you know, you're just making stuff up and saying what's what's the best case scenario and how can we make that happen? But really, you don't have that much control. Mm. But it's it's easy to think that you do when you're in the sciences. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, whenever I talk to a nurse, they often talk about how many doctors they know who think that they're gods. Oh yeah, <laughs> like oh, so yeah. that makes sense. I did an internship at MD Anderson, and I remember interviewing a pediatrician. And I asked him, do you think it's possible to teach people how to be empathetic? And he said, no. He Mm. said, you're either empathetic or you're not. And that was the least empathetic man I'd ever met. (laughs) (laughs) He said, "Mm, no, I don't want to be better. So you think a lot of doctors are that way in general or? I would say depending on the caliber, yeah. Every doctor, describe them. (laughs) (laughs) Name everyone. Well, I wonder too, like how much of this is like in the U.S. alone, right? Because mm-hmm. it's different everywhere. And I know there are other countries that are full-blown, like Ooh. we're just going to get rid of the potential, you know, 
Down syndrome or yeah. autistic kids. Right. The Netherlands is. Ins- I'm trying to think if they're. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the medical stuff in most countries other than the U.S. But um, I'd, I'd wonder what it would look like in other countries around the world. Like, are other countries better at that than us, or are we? I'd say other countries are are further along in the way in the direction that we are heading, mm. um, which is utilitarian. Very. Mm-hmm. Very avoidant of pain and pursuing pleasure is the main ethical perspective there. Mm-hmm. Um, I read an article recently of a, I can't remember if he was a gynecologist or a pediatrician, which are two very different <laughs> professions, <laughs> but I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, one uh, of yes. those. <laughs> I can't remember which one you are, but. The old pedo gyno. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember, like, um, (laughs) reading about he was saying that if you are not willing, still laughing at his own joke, (laughs) trying to move on. Like I'm trying to. (laughs) You're like talking, and Ethan's over here just like laughing still. Uh, It's funny. Yeah, it was a great joke. Good job. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Top it off. Yeah, he got the satisfaction of the laughs. Yeah, that's uh, that they will laugh they at my real. joke. <laughs> Everyone will laugh at my joke. <laughs> but no, yeah, he was he was requested to perform an abortion, and you know I'm not here to like tell my opinions about that specific issue or anything. But he personally was saying that he didn't want to perform it, and he didn't want to refer uh, the patient to a physician who would, because he would feel causally responsible for mm. that. And in Europe, in many countries in Europe, if you don't do that, you get fired. If you don't refer them to somebody who will perform that need, then you lose your job. And, you know, it's it's difficult because this is a service that people are paying for with their taxes and it's legal there. So you're pretty much obligated to provide that service, whether it's you yourself or somebody that you know that will. That takes me to the thought of like – to what extent is like state funded medicine like superior to private medicine and what and to what degree is private medicine maybe superior to like state funded medicine? Right. Because I guess that that makes me think, you know, again, the state is essentially dictating what those doctors get to do and don't do. Right. Whereas I, I don't, I, I, we we just met our pediatrician recently and he's a great guy. We actually really love him. That's super awesome. But uh, like the way that he practices would probably not be allowed in like some, you know, maybe more secular country like Europe where the state funds all of the medicine. Um, He's he's a Catholic uh, pediatrician. Yeah, very pro-life, very like basically he won't do any referrals, any he won't do birth control stuff even. Oh, wow. Very like very Catholic. Mm. And so the way that he practices would Definitely not be allowed no. in a more secular country. Like, so have you and Anna not. prayed for him to become a Christian? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Bro. I'm not gonna lie. This guy is awesome. I'm, I, I, <laughs> I think he's a. I think he's close to. I don't know. Maybe he's not. He might, he might be close to new new uh, uh, patients. But he um, walked in. <laughs> recommend. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna recommend him because I don't want like everybody to flood him. I'm just kidding. We don't have that many. <laughs> We don't our have that massive massive Our massive listener base. Is he a pediatrician um, or a gynecologist? <laughs> actually, I can't remember. Um, no, so he... Uh, <laughs> so he Is he a midwife? <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not that. Um, but he came... He, he, we met him anyway. 
when he walked in because we we ended up we were gonna do a, a home birth and then mm. the baby was stuck like under on his pubic bone and also had a massive head. So that was <laughs> classic like a, a Jose for, di- that, for disaster. <laughs> yeah. So Anna went through a 42 hour labor and then wow. we ended up doing a C-section, which it was awesome. I mean, after the end of it, it was, we were like, wow, it was so easy. You said it was so easy. No, I'm kidding. Did Anna say it was Dude, so easy? Dude, the C-section was like 20 minutes tops. It was crazy oh, fast. Wow. Yeah, it was so quick. That was like the most painless part of the whole process. Jeez. Um, Whoa, which was weird. Yeah, yeah, again, not the way we wanted it to go, but it was the way it went. And so that was, you know, totally okay. Spent a few days at the hospital, got some nice, like, hands-on care. It was cool. Um, and so this doctor walks in, right, this pediatrician, and he, like, takes his little fedora off. Oh, boy. <laughs> and he puts it on his little doctor bag, and he's bald. <laughs> and he's wearing a suit and a big old Mary pendant. And we were like, this is our guy. (laughs) This is our guy. Anyway, super cool guy. We get along with him really well. But the way that he practices, I'm going back to like what we're talking about um, after describing him. So now you've got the picture. um, (laughs) Thank you for that. Is just like, (laughs) he's the type of guy that like brings all the heart rates in the room down. He's just so super nice guy. Um, Mm. And uh, but it just it just it wouldn't work there because he's a private, you know, I don't, I don't, private not, a, not a firm private practice. There it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> private firm. <laughs> private, <laughs> he's private, a lawyer, actually. He's private sector. What, what am I going for? <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. That that's that, it's interesting to think about that. No, definitely. Nice. Yeah, and 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 I think that like you know most people would say, well, if you know that this is something that your that your state or your country requires, then just don't become a doctor. But hmm. then you are. It's inhibiting somebody's freedom to pursue a profession because of their beliefs. And, you know, but it's so hard because at the same time, these people deserve care. And if it's legal, then you're obligated to provide it. And so how do we find the balance between like respecting people's beliefs and also performing needed procedures? Here's a really interesting thing I just pulled up because I got curious, and I had never read the Hippocratic Oath before. Really? Yeah. Oh, That's wow. A he- I don't think I have Dude, either, actually. <laughs> I read it like 20 times. Oh, wow. We've, we had to. I, I studied medical humanities at Baylor. So here's the interesting thing. It says, I will not, I mean, in, in a lot of old language, but it basically says, I will not do an abortion mm-hmm. in the Hippocratic Oath. Hmm. That's one of the things listed in the Hippocratic Oath, to not do an abo- abortion. So are they hypocrites? If they do one, <laughs> Hi- Hippocrats. Hippocrats. <laughs> Hippocrats. That's Hippocrats. Funny. Good one. Good one. Anyway. That's a knee slapper yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, if I could reach my knee right now. But yeah, several paragraphs about like, you know, doing the most good to help the patients. <laughs> it starts, I swear by Apollo the healer, by Escepsius, by mm. Hygieia, by Panacea, yes. and by all the gods and goddesses. <laughs> dot 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 a bunch of paragraphs yeah. I will not do abortions right so <laughs> is that actually what it said yes oh wow that's crazy that's the fundamental difference between the early Christian hospitals uh, the first one the Basilia was established by Basil the Great and mm-hmm. it was a place where the poor and the sick would go for help and they would do whatever they possibly could and then is that the first or second century yes yeah yeah Basil was away what like one I'm I'm totally blanking Anyway, I would, I would say about a century after Christ died, I think. But no, mm-hmm. just the difference there is that... Um, oh, he was born in 330 oh, yeah, I was, I was way off. <laughs> so anyway. He's in the 4th century. Oh, wow. Rip. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that like 
physicians used to be, at least in Greek culture, considered these very high, like unattainable, it was a very unattainable profession. And it really didn't have that much effect because they didn't know a lot about science. You know, there were a lot of, you know, you've got the the four, the Hippocratic, what's it called? The four humors um, mm. and, you know, phlegm, blood, just the basic, as basic as you can get. That's what they called them? Yeah, there's there's phlegm. Uh, like fluids? The yeah, there's, fluids? there's different, there's fluids. Yeah, and it's, it's I can't remember, man. There's like there's, spit. <laughs> it's, it's like phlegm, blood, m- I can't Spit, water pee, poop. <laughs> <laughs> number one, number two, number three, number four. <laughs> but what, what I'm trying to say is that like the difference between Christian physicians was that it was more about being present with mm. the patient and even putting yourself at risk mm. to the point where you died. There were right. doctors dying. And whereas like Well, that was true in the plagues mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. In the first plague, yeah. which was in the 100s, like everyone fled the city, like cities all over Rome because yeah. of the plague and Christians stayed yes. to mm-hmm. take care of the sick people who had the plague. Mm-hmm. And then same with the Black Death later on. Yeah. And then, so yeah, Christians are, o- or maybe Christians were OGs. <laughs> we need to reclaim that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we really do because we don't do that now. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the the establishment of tr- of uh, hospitals, the intent in the first place was to care for the sick, and to to give them what they needed, not because they were requesting it or because they were paying for it, but because it's just what you do. Because that's because people are human beings. Yeah. And mm. well, thinking back to kind of like what you said, the modern approach being you know utilitarian. I mean, I think that that's just a total push from like the secularization of culture, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas maybe historically medicine was, again, like, I mean, Christians have always been on the forefront of medicine Mm -hmm. up until, I don't know when, I'm I'm no like medical expert, but, um, or medical history expert. (laughs) (laughs) Either (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) But I mean, I think that that's definitely a push from the secular culture to kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I guess it's once you rid medicine of God, you naturally kind of end up with this kind of uh, this, this idea of like people are just, you know, resources or they're useless. Well, I, once I, you I, read, it makes me think of like communist ideology. Yeah. You know, once you read humans of the image of God too. Yeah, exactly. Then you, like that trickles down really quickly, I think, into how you do medicine and how you do, how you see all that stuff. Mm. Cause like you said, you were talking about utilitarianism or, no, what did you say? The dignity versus the um, consequence. Uh, you, I thought you said like human dignity versus human quality of life, or oh, something. Oh, autonomy. Uh, it was something like that. Okay. Hmm. But yeah, basically, how all humans are valuable, regardless of the function they serve. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, for example, uh, dis- certain disabled people won't quote unquote contribute to society in mm-hmm. that they won't work a job or they'll receive welfare from the state or something because like they the can't. common argument is like a burden like a financial burden on the family yeah which is not how you should speak about human beings made in the image of god right, right? you don't mm-hmm. talk about human beings that way when you have that ideology right you naturally if, yeah. see people in the image of god yeah you start there 
and go from there versus, you know, Nazis and plenty of other terrible civilizations throughout history have done this where it's like, oh, this disabled person serves no function to us. We will get rid of them, right? <laughs> right? right. As opposed mm-hmm. to starting with the dignity and the value and the image of God and being like, oh, well, if if every one of us has ineffable dignity, then then that changes how we think ethically, how right. we act, how we treat people, how we do medicine, how we do all this stuff, right? right? So you would never in a million years say, oh, your baby might have Down syndrome. What do you want to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's not even a question if you're starting with with that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I do want to give the the medical system the benefit of the of the doubt and say that when you – like when we're applying principles to a large population and those principles aren't – inherently Christian because they shouldn't be um, because we live in America and freedom of religion exists. Mm -hmm. There are difficulties in the, just the generalization of those principles. And so ethics really comes down to specific cases. And so that's why it's so hard to make laws about this stuff because Mm -hmm. every single case is unique and that's what ethics is. It's, it's about, people's narratives it's about people's stories and it's less about what are these conceptual truths that we can apply to everybody Mm -hmm. Um, it's just impossible but we have to because that's how the law works (laughs) yeah do you think it's impossible to like start there and apply like a general principle to the to the medical field i think and then kind of work from there do you think it's like something else I think anything universalized is harmful. Uh, I'm not a Kantian. I don't think that everything should, like, everything should be applied to everybody, and that's what makes it right. Categorical imperative? Yeah, no. Come on, bro. I don't be I don't be. <laughs> are we talking like, wait, that. so are we, just to make sure, are we talking like, like principles for treatment of certain cases, or are we just talking like general, like, medical industry principles or values? Yeah, like, like general. Like, going back to the. Yeah, the general medical values. Yeah are pretty pretty helpful top down but the way that they manifest mm. in smaller cases can be harmful so i think that's where medical ethics comes in and says what if we consider other things like human dignity or mm. human character and or family dynamics and culture and religion and stuff like that mm-hmm. there seems to be a bit uh, i think a big difference um, between what you would call medical ethics versus just laws that dictate this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. Yeah. Because I think the value in ethics and having a reason behind things the way you are, and David French talks about this a lot, if you know who that is. Mm-hmm. He's talked to, He's a pro-life guy. He writes for the New York Times, though, hmm. which is interesting. And he says that as Christians, we shouldn't just fight to outlaw abortion. We should fight to change the cultural mindset like – toward life, toward loving life and human life and flourishing. Because if you do that, you don't have to outlaw it because we overturned Roe v. Wade and abortion rates went up over the past year since that happened. Mm -hmm. So clearly it's almost as if outlawing something doesn't change the human heart about it. I was, that's actually a crazy concept. I got a couple thoughts on that, but were there any other thoughts on that? Well, yeah, but so, so that's my whole thing is like, Mm. is, is having an ethical conversation about this is going to be more valuable than simply lobbying to get a bill or a law passed. Because, you know, the the phrase, you, you can't uh, legislate, what is it, you can't legislate, what's that phrase that they always say? You can't legislate morality? 
I, I was going to say morality, but I was like, it can't be morality. It's that's too like easy. That. <laughs> yeah, like you yeah. can't legislate. It sounds like that's you what won't you change would be the, saying. Naturally yeah, you won't change the human. You won't change the human heart simply by passing a certain law. Yeah, right. Totally. And like the Bible says that <laughs> Paul says that in the New Testament <laughs> many times. Like the law, the law never changed your heart. It, but, it, it increases your acknowledgement of like sin mm-hmm. and the disparity of the human heart. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes me think about um, this is a total sidetrack. But I remember in one of my history courses back in the day, we covered the whole like Civil War era, you know, Lincoln, kind of the controversies around Lincoln, mm. Lee, right? Funny enough, and this is like very not taught at all. Lee was actually, I, I wouldn't maybe say like an abolitionist, but he essentially, he completely disagreed with slavery and owning slaves, but the way that he approached it. And again, like conceptually, how would this actually play out? Who knows, right? He wanted to not just outlaw it entirely, but, you know, kind of have all of society shift towards let's not, you know, own slaves. Let's not make this a trade of people or a market of people. Right. And so generally there, there are a couple arguments there, which kind generally. of follow that same <laughs> generally, Bruh. there are a couple arguments there that kind of follow that same logic, which it's like when Lincoln just outlawed slavery for one, anyway, side, sidetrack. It was, um, I think that's a good parallel though. It was a, yeah. uh, only for the, uh, union states, not for any, any external states mm. outside of the union. So it was more of like a political play. There's just always controversies with Lincoln when you get into that, but going down that route, like we outlawed slavery, but racism still existed for what, you know, mm. ever. <laughs> Cause the human heart doesn't change just because a law is put into mm. place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it kind of follows that same thought of like, if let's say, I, I don't know, it just makes me wonder always like it, it, with that as a case study, it's, if I mean, it it's, played out differently and like people changed, how would culture view well, slavery and racism? It's not I don't because know. racism didn't go away, but slavery did. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, you know, objectively well, there are fewer slaves. Good. <laughs> you can't yeah. outlaw yeah. ideology. Yeah, that's true too. Definitely. And it, it, it also goes down to the differences in how we define human flourishing. Because, right. I, you know, some people would say, well, human flourishing is being hmm. able to buy whatever I want and have money, or human flourishing is having a relationship with the universe or the divine. And mm-hmm. it's there's so many different definitions of that, that especially when we're talking about trying to have these conversations where we're changing people's hearts, um, it, it just comes down to what you believe about the world fundamentally. And none of us are ever going to gr- agree about that. Yeah. And that's what's so difficult hmm. about legislation is that there are fundamental philosophical ideologies that back these things that because we live in a democracy are the perspective of the majority. But a lot of times when it comes down to it, most people don't agree with somehow, which yeah. is, you know, a problem in and of itself. But and I think a lot of pro I don't want to say pro-abortion, pro-choice people would say, oh, I wouldn't have an abortion, but everyone should have the right to choose. You know, I feel like that's something I've heard a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is that like your own perspective inherently could limit other people's choice or being able to act out that perspective. And that's what's hard about medical ethics is that like each case is unique. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're 
if I mean, you don't have to answer this, but let's say that you're having a conversation with someone who's very pro-choice, very progressive. Let's say maybe give us a Christian example and then a secular example. What what are some talking points you would have, particularly on the pro-life issue? Ooh, the big talk. Yeah. yeah. So, so are you asking me to give you my opinion about abortion? Yeah. And then more specifically, how you would verbalize it to someone who disagreed with you. Hmm. I think right now I'm in a phase in life where I am still exploring that. I haven't settled down on any specific opinion yet. As far as legislation or as far as like politically? I would say, yeah, as far as legislation, because I do believe in the dignity of life and I do believe metaphysically that it is a human, mm-hmm. but there are, and biologically, but there are arguments that talk about what is a person. And that's really important to medical ethics because once we start defining persons based on their qualities or capabilities, we also get into the ableist realm where people who don't have, but this, but it's not the same. A fetus is not the same as a full grown person with a disability. So what are the, what are the principles that we're applying universally across those two categories, which is why it's hard for me at least because, you know, I've, I've seen people in that scenario who are really struggling and we're considering abortion. And because I've never been in that situation myself, I don't know what it's like. Um, I do know that I believe in human dignity and um, I do know that it is a seriously considered thing by the people who think about it or who need it. But I am also still learning. So I wouldn't say that I have a solid opinion on how it should be legislated just because I have a difficulty with legislation in general and universalizing, like we just talked about, those issues. But if it were a friend of mine and they were asking, what should I do? Um, I would say, well, what does your belief system tell you? And that is what ethics is, is taking into account other people's experiences and giving them the opportunity to do that in a way that they feel is ethical. See, that's the thing. As an ethicist, you're not coming in. I'm not coming in as a Christian ethicist to tell people what is right and what is wrong. I'm coming in to consider all of the facets of their experience to make sure that the ended the consequence of their choice aligns with their perspective, not mine. Mm. With their perspective and what is with what is legal and what is, with what is medically recommended. And I had trouble with that when I first started getting into it because I remember there was a case where a woman with cancer wanted to have an abortion because um, it was very likely that her cancer would cause harm to the child because of the process of radiation and chemotherapy oh. and things like that. Mm. And so it was either you quit treatment and you have the child or you have an abortion and you possibly maybe live. Mm. And there were some doctors who were like, well, I'm a Christian, so I can't support abortion. And then there were some doctors that were like, how could you tell her that? She's going to die. She might, but she also might have not. And that's the issue is that we're, we're trying to tell the future with medicine. We're trying to say, what is the prognosis? What's the likelihood? It's completely out of our control what the likelihood of survival is in those scenarios. So our job was to say, what can you live with? What Mm -hmm. is your heart telling you? And how can we help you do that and counsel you through it? Mm -hmm. And so I may have strong opinions at some point about certain things, but they're not relevant 
because that's not my job. Mm. So even if, even if somebody was in that situation and you completely disagreed with their paradigm or their ideology, you would still have to counsel them according to what they saw yep. was best? Because if, I'm, if I in any way try to change their mind, it's not only complicating the situation and giving them a sense of guilt over something that they're already probably feeling shame about, but also coercion. Religious mm. and spiritual coercion because they're in a very vulnerable place. Yeah. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's the same way with chaplaincy. If somebody's mm-hmm. asking me as a Christian chaplain to bring them resources that are according to their religion, then I'm going to do that because I'm not going to tell them, oh, you're wrong. You're not allowed to pray. <laughs> like, Oh, you're trying to go to hell? Yeah, right. Like that's not, <laughs> my worldview is not relevant to their experience of illness. Hmm. And that's God's work. Hmm. And you asked me about abortion. That's kind of the original, just to rein it in. That was the original hmm. question. And although I have strong opinions when it comes to the application of those opinions and the relevancy of those to my profession, I can get my PhD and write dissertations about you know, my views on any issue. But when it comes down to the actual interaction of human persons, it's a lot different because humans aren't theories. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's it's far more often that you end up with a gray story than like a black and white one. And yes. You know, mm. it's like, well, I'm in this situation and there's this factor and this factor and this factor and this factor. And like, I'm a pro-life person. Mm-hmm. But I still also admit that, oh, I hear this story and it's like, oh, that's complicated. Like the cancer story with it's the mom and – A complicated situation. You, know, it's you like, can't just put it like into a category. Yeah. Like exactly. it's, it's not, either good oh, or evil. Well, good yeah. Or evil. Yeah. I think too often with <laughs> modern Christians, maybe you say less thoughtful Christians, <laughs> it's like they hear the word abortion and just instantly think bad. Right. Can't do it. Like if the doctor said that, it's like, well, you're not taking into account – this mother didn't choose to have cancer. Right. She, you know, like, mm. um, so it's, it's, to me, that's, that doesn't fall into the category of pro-choice. Right. Because you don't choose to have this life-threatening complication in your pregnancy or during your pregnancy. So, yeah, it's so much more nuanced and gray yeah. than it mm-hmm. usually is black and white. And a lot of the times you don't choose to be pregnant. So what's, you know, are we basing our ethical framework based on the unexpectedness of the situation or on that, like you said before, are we starting from the fundamental uh, responsibility to protect human life, especially the innocent? Mm -hmm. So did she have a responsibility to that child despite her unexpected situation or because it was unexpected, is there a degree of compassion and leeway that we can give to people because we live in a broken world and there's only so much that we can expect people to do. And when we're talking about the issue of abortion, it's pretty easy for us to say, no, that's wrong. Raise the kid. Here's some, Mm -hmm. here's, you know, a billboard that says it's a child. It has a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But how are we, how are we showing, how are we constructing our society in a way to where women do not feel that they have to do that to survive? How are we supporting single mothers? How are we supporting kids in the foster system? Like, if we really believe that human dignity is the most important thing, then that should be how we behave. That should be what we contribute to. Yeah. Are you talking about, like, being more than just pro-birth? Like, 
because a lot of Christians can be pro-birth, like don't, don't do it, don't uh, have an abortion, don't kill the kid. But then we'll do so little to help the humans that are here outside of the womb right. <laughs> in poverty right. or right. not, yeah, in, in difficult situations. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what is out there right now that like would support kids post a birth like that where maybe the mother like didn't want them or something happened where they just lost the mother. The I don't know. System, bro. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess that would just kind of go to there, which again is just the state and then it's legislation. <laughs> yeah. Um, On the positive side, though, I read a statistic recently that cri- more Christians adopt kids than any other mm. demographic. So at least. Oh, at least some Christians are living out what they <laughs> what they preach. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. I should look that up before I just spout stuff off the top of my head. <laughs> but it I makes sense, though. I've met a lot of, like, Christian couples who adopted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great. No, I think that's a really thoughtful approach yeah. to, to that issue because it's a really sensitive issue, and I think that you worded it really well. Thank you. So, mm. yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, like, thanks for sharing too, because it's a big, a big conversation. Sorry, I didn't want to cut sure. you off. Keep no, going. I cut you off. I just feel like when we when we talk on a podcast that goes on the internet, and we don't know the stories of the people that are listening, mm-hmm. it's important to remind them that we don't know everything, and that we are doing our best. Mm-hmm. And especially in medical ethics, the first thing that you want to do is hear the person's story, mm-hmm. because Yes, truth is objective. Yes, human dignity is the most important thing. But that also applies to the person making the choice. Mm. And we have to support them the best that we can, even if that means enabling a decision that we believe is morally wrong. That'd be tough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of makes – maybe I'm just butchering this right now in my mind (laughs) because I'm kind of fried mentally. But – that's what happens when you don't sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but it's okay. People think that it's like, they, they always make the jokes like, oh, yeah, have fun not sleeping. But it's awesome. It's actually <laughs> like you you don't even care. Really? Um, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. You just you just don't sleep and you're like, yeah, that's great. It's like, <laughs> honestly, you don't, you don't have like that. Just love that. him so much. Yeah. You don't have like a struggle like yeah. balancing that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 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 So um, I was thinking about when you were talking about that, because what it sounds like to me, it doesn't sound like you're again kind of pushing anybody any one way mm-hmm. more than anything the position you're in is to really just ask questions and prompt thought right yeah. for somebody that again could be a christian could not be a christian right could have a completely different framework for how they perceive the situation mm-hmm. and i, I don't want to throw scripture at it but it kind of makes me think at least not not for the decision process but it's kind of like you know, meeting meeting people where they're at, right? Like, I I I, I had a scripture in my but I lost it. Never Psalm one thirty seven. Fried. Blessed is the man who dashes your infants against the rocks. No, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Dang it, yeah. I lost it. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> I'm so out of it. No, that's okay. Um, I get it. It's like I'm living You're in a dad, dream. You're dad, bro. Yeah, you got that brain. Uh, I'll fog. get I'll get it back. You're gonna like fire Tucker too. <laughs> I'm done. Pretty soon the this podcast will just be Krista sitting in silence. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> it's just gonna be Krista like filming this this the room. <laughs> filming. Him. Ooh, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> Did you get that one? Okay. The star. 
It's the same one. Yeah. It's the same star. Yeah, it's the same. Do you guys you go have... to Hot Topic? Is that <laughs> what you Claire's? Hot Topic. Claire's? <laughs> the limited two. You loved Hot Topic? Oh, yeah. I was obsessed. Yeah. I was super I only emo. think about the South Park where they all go to Hot Topic. There's like the Hot Topic kids. <laughs> you always look at me as if I watch South Park. I don't watch cartoons. You've never like watched that one? No, though? I've never you... watched any. Wow. Elliot made me watch one clip of South Park and that's the most I've ever seen. That's funny. Anyway. It was the motorcycle one. You should watch BoJack Horseman. I tried. I cannot watch cartoons. I couldn't get into BoJack Horseman. That's fine. I watched like three episodes of BoJack Horseman, though. It's pretty depressing, huh? Yeah. It's pretty depressing. Yeah. And when he like tries to, you know, yeah. kill himself. Mm-hmm. And it's like this black stuff <laughs> that covers him. So yeah. It's pretty dark. Yeah, it's, it's pretty dark. dark I like Will Arnett, though. I do like Will Arnett. There's only yeah. so much I can watch of that before I need to like go outside. <laughs> it's like nihilistic. Like my parents. Yeah. Yeah. House, yeah. Nihilistic for a cartoon horse. Yeah, yeah, dude. Well, to rein it in, all I was really trying to get across. Oh, nice pun. Is, <laughs> you like To that? rein in the horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought of that. Um, <laughs> think, where's, the, where's the laugh oh. track? Nice. That was not the laugh track, but yeah, I got my, <laughs> I got my laughs. Um, anyway, all of what I was really trying to get at is like it's it just it doesn't sound like your your position is really to try and sway people any one way, but like kind of just meet them where they're at and at least talk them through that, regardless of their decision and how you view it. Uh, yes, in the clinical context, yes, mm. but the academic context is different too. Totally. Because there I'm allowed to have an opinion and I'm going to support it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm in the situation right now where I don't know what my opinion is yet. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So I think, yeah. you know, we'll touch on that when I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been hearing that too because it sounds like you're kind of, you know, weighing one way and weighing another way. Not like in a bad sense because right. I think that that naturally has to happen to develop us a, 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 a a solid opinion. Yeah. What's that word again? Oh yeah, solid opinion. <laughs> opinion. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> half asleep. Um, yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's all I guess I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it is our responsibility as Christians to stay true to what we believe. And to, especially to the people that we're close to, advise them according to our ethical decision-making framework. Mm. But as a profession, that is not the case. Hmm. Because you, you're there as an ethicist employed by the hospital, but you are also a spokesperson for God, at least as a chaplain in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're walking into a room that has so many dimensions because of the person's experience, your experience, the hospital's expectations of you. So yeah, it's just multifaceted. Yeah, that's mm. tough. And I'm a chaplain too at a nursing home. Unfortunately, none of them are having abortions. So. <laughs> well, you're, you're on the other side. Of, well, I guess oh they my don't. God. The whole euthanization. We, oh I'm shocked, didn't touch on euthanization talk because I feel like that's a big one. Oh, But that would be a really long conversation. For sure. Because you mentioned it. it's funny because when Ethan told me that or told me what you were thinking about talking, I was like, that sounds like the euthanization talk. Yeah. My grandma is a clinical psychologist and she's like super involved wow. in a lot of that stuff. Yeah, she's crazy, but she's a sweet old lady, but she's crazy. Um, <laughs> she listen to this podcast? <laughs> no, she won't be probably. Um, she's the worst. No, I love her. Um, no, she's very, she, she's like a huge supporter of the like like what's it physician assisted to yeah that's it yeah and so 
it was it would be an interesting topic. But I, I I thought of that right when you when when Ethan said told me what you were thinking about talking about. It, I was like that sounds mm-hmm. a lot like what she's been doing because she's talked to me about it in the past and it sounds very similar. But Ooh, regardless, yeah, mm. um, I was. No, I had a brainwave, and now it's slowed. <laughs> but the tide went out. The tide's gone. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, never we mind. We should just let Tucker be, like, the laugh track for a couple weeks. I am until the laugh, yeah. Until he gets asleep. He's just in the back, like, <laughs> He's not allowed to have any thoughts. Next yeah. time we record, I'm going to bring Jose, and I'm going to put him right there and just grill him about not letting him sleep. I'm be like, okay, bud. How dare you? <laughs> so, what were you thinking? Uh, what Last goes night through your mind when you woke, wake me up at 3 a.m., you know? Yeah. Screaming, crying. I love to see you suffer, Father. <laughs> That's probably what he'd say. Well, Father. <laughs> no, Father. <laughs> we'd just have Ethan do the voiceover. <laughs> Dumped by Ethan. <laughs> oh, I would love that. Ethan's brain in the body of a baby. Baby Jose. <laughs> well, Father. Basically is the body You drew of me baby. out from the pit. Ethan's just a large baby. <laughs> you drew me from the pit. The womb. You drew me from the womb. <laughs> no, that it was, was warm in there. Yeah. <laughs> you drew me out with your precepts. <laughs> or no, what's the? What are those things that they use? Forceps. Forceps. Those yeah. are sketchy, though. <laughs> Bro, if you think forceps are sketchy, have you ever seen what are they called? The vacuum. No, not oh. the not the vacuum. <laughs> that thing's scary too. They use the for pap smears. Yeah, oh. Yeah. It's it's scary looking. What is it for? What for pap smears? Full that disclosure, I don't know what that is. It's, <laughs> wow, bro. I'm a man with no sisters. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Well, you have a I'll, mom, dude. You didn't learn this from her? Why would I, why would my mom, hey, Ethan, I had a great pap smear today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't learn Sure, mom, that. let me get you a heating pad. The only thing that's smeared, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Bro. I have no idea. I have no idea what that is. The only thing Ethan knows that smears. It's it's just a, a hard time when he gets married. Yeah, dude. It's just a It'll test. It'll be a learning curve. It's just a test for women to make sure that we're all good up in there. Like up in your No, in our uterus. <laughs> <laughs> they just put it in your brain, you know. <laughs> like uh what's that thing in uh in Star Trek where they put it in the guy's ear and it like burrows into his brain, you know? No. Really? That's never watched Star really, Trek. Really, really scary. It's one of like the movies. I can't remember oh, which one. The one with Anton Yelkin? That show them. <laughs> that Oh. I know, and it's like this big. Oh. It looks like a, looks like a it, vice. They, they literally crank you open. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. Nasty. Yeah, dude. I hate being cranked open. <laughs> well, that's the female experience, so. Well, this has been the Attractive Christians podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning what it's it is to, to talk be a about woman. these things, yes, because we have been ignored for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Ethan, Ethan hates women. I, I just know. I knew it the moment I met him. It's not that I hate them. It's that I have no idea what's going on. Wasn't that one of the reviews on your book? <laughs> oh, yeah. He hates women. Your friend wrote that. I think it's <laughs> no, so not funny. A, not <laughs> a friend, but somebody I do know. Anyway, something is funny. The, the first female that you had on this podcast, and here I am talking about paps me. <laughs> first and the last female. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we're done with this. I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> Ethan's like, okay, that was a good experiment. <laughs> Last time I let a woman talk in my church. <laughs> We're changing the name of this podcast, the Attractive Christian Dudes Podcast. The attractive Christian Men. Oh my god. Attractive Men Podcast. <laughs> Didn't even put Christian in there. 
That's funny. I can I can laugh at that. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gives permission to yeah, self. Yeah, yeah. That was funny. I could laugh. Yeah. I could laugh at that. That was good. That was allowable. She's an ethicist. She yeah. had to Yeah, I was like, is wait. this okay? Yeah, had, to, okay. had to weigh the consequences of both options. Yeah. Is it I don't laugh permissible at this. to laugh at this. <laughs> that really do it really is like that though. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, should I laugh? <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so then my last question, completely unrelated mm. to everything we've talked about, except for ethics. How long after an event do you have to wait? How long after a horrific event do you have to wait before you can laugh at it and make jokes about it? Mm. How, how horrific? Like the Holocaust. That is never, ever funny. But... Ethan, don't you dare. No, I'm saying, but there's equally horrific things further back in history that okay. we do feel permissible That's a fair point. to laugh at. Give an right? example. The fall of Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. I mean, Did you just compare the fall of Troy to the Holocaust? It's pretty brutal. Lots like, of people this, died. A lot of people died. I mean, also... The Crusades. Yeah. yeah, the Crusades or like the Mongolian conquests. Yeah. How many people did the Mongols Everybody's like, kill? oh, it's so funny. Uh, Genghis Khan like had right? children Ooh. with tons of women who didn't consent. Probably. Mm-hmm. Well, the, well, there were the kids. ideologies behind those events still don't, they don't exist today anymore. Like the Holocaust is based on anti-Semitism, which is still alive and well in America, mm. especially in Christianity. So that's how long you have to wait till the ideology doesn't <laughs> exist? <laughs> well, I think you have to ask the person that has experienced it. If you're joking around somebody that has experienced it, then you would ask them. But if nobody, if like a person who's never been through something like that is around, then I would say just stay on the safer side and not <laughs> joke about it. Because there are plenty of funny things in the world that don't have to do with human suffering. That's true. But if it's your own suffering that you're joking about, go ahead. But I guess we do we do also recognize the, the, the atrocities of history too, like past, like way past the Holocaust, if we're going back mm. in time. And I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like, I wonder. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Because we <laughs> I'm we trying do, to think of another example. I think we, we it, it's one. sort of people kind of pick and choose. Oh, yeah, what's yours? So I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Your no, no, no. Okay. It's okay. I don't have many sentences <laughs> left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was running low. It's basically, it's basically me. I get a full tank and then I start talking and it like drains. And then I'm like, oh, crap, I'm out empty. And then the plane can't find that <laughs> runway. I, oh, no. I, can't, I can't land the plane. Hey, at least you start on full. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe like a little bit. It's like you, you do like the $5 tank, you know, to yeah. get yourself down the street to the cheaper gas station. <laughs> that is so real. Hey, there's a Circle K on bowls. It's always really cheap. So if you ever need that. No, but um, it's like I recently saw this. Um, I don't know if you guys listen to Noel Miller, but he's a stand-up comedian, also like a YouTuber. And he recently came out with uh, Stop Crying. Stop Crying, which is his, like, um, stand-up, you know, debut or whatever. And he makes a joke about the death of Christ. And uh, I'm offended. See, that's the thing. I watched it, and I was laughing so hard. Because enough time has passed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Even though, even though, like, that is something that's very important to me, I could see how, from his perspective, that would be okay to joke about. Mm. And then also— like the context of it, you know, it was just a very casual thing, but you know, what was so, it? What was the joke? Is it bad? It. He said, um, "I don't think I should say it on this podcast. I think your listeners wouldn't appreciate it." Okay. So, <laughs> but I thought it was funny. There's an anti wreck from CJ. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you if you are the a, a laid back person and and can take offensive jokes from a non Christian, right? It, 
yeah, from a non-Christian, yeah, yeah then hmm. fine, that's fine. But And not to say that people who can't take offensive jokes aren't laid back, but just um, yeah, it depends on, yeah, the person's personal experience and reaction. And I, I think that a joke can be appropriate in that context since not many people care about the death of Christ. <laughs> In the way that we do. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it's it's fair. People don't like, people don't generally care. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Christians will get offended, but nobody else will. But that's the thing is that if you talk about the Holocaust, pretty much everyone is going to get offended because everybody agrees that that was very, very bad. <laughs> Except for middle schoolers. I don't know. That's I, so, yeah, I, you know. <laughs> it's always like, it's always the guys that have the, I don't know. I'm not, I, now I feel like I'm targeting people. I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. But um, no, it's only because I had a personal experience. So we were at Auschwitz and there are these dudes like the never forget T-shirts on and yeah, stuff. And they're yeah. like chuckling the whole time. Mm. And I was just like, chuckling about yeah, I don't I don't know what they were chuckling about, but they were chuckling at the location. And just for one, I don't know. I take a lot of things pretty seriously like that. I, I'm like, yeah, the humor thing. I, I laugh at a lot of stuff. But generally when it's like atrocities and things or Christ or anything like that, I'm pretty opposed to it. Yeah. So I was just like disgusted just by the fact that they were laughing while they were there. Right. Um, well, you, you know, what's interesting to me is part of the reason I asked this is because I've had this thought a lot since I, I was a youth pastor at a church like two, three churches ago uh, in 2016 to 18. <laughs> I was this uh, youth About pastor at this church. Three churches Serial ago. Church <laughs> About three, per- three churches back. <laughs> yeah. Three churches ago. And so at that time, there were these middle schoolers, and they, I overheard them telling Columbine jokes Mm-mm. because they weren't alive for Columbine. So to them, it seems like something like far removed, you know? Like, oh, it's whereas I was alive. Were you and well, in town during that? Yeah, I was two miles away when it happened. You, yeah, you were living here when yeah. it happened. Jeez. Yeah, I was in second grade. And, um, and my school went in lockdown, and it was this crazy thing. So mm-hmm. to me, it was like very real. Yeah. Whereas to them, obviously, they don't think it's funny school shootings, but they were still felt okay enough to tell jokes about it because it didn't seem real, right. quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, we do that with 9-11. Well, I was alive yeah. for that too. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> I, don't, I was too, but I don't remember it. Really? Ethan was, was alive for World War II. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan is immortal. <laughs> He's actually a vampire. <laughs> Ethan is there at the fall of Berlin, <laughs> marching with the Russians. Yo, are you, you told me you had a piece of the wall. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um... But, uh, yeah, yeah, the the second fall of Berlin. Like, I think there's like stages. This is my theory. There's like stages of humor. There's one where I wasn't alive for it, so I view it slightly differently. Mm -hmm. There's two where no one is alive, uh, anymore who would have been alive during that time. And I think we're nearing that point with the Holocaust. Yeah. Where they all, this might sound blunt or crass, but like they all would have been dead by this point anyway. Yeah. You know? And then I think there's a third stage where it's so far back in ancient history where we could joke like the Mongol horde and no one's going to be like offended. Nobody's offended by the Mongol horde. (laughs) I don't know. It's kind of triggering to me. (laughs) Just noting, knowing that most people are related to them. (laughs) Yeah, that's a crazy fact. Also, it's, I mean, we're we're on a podcast right now. So people who are listening to this can't really interact with us in a way that we can receive and respond. And so well, I, we could get emails. Yeah, that's well, yeah, true. Yeah, we get emails. Yeah. Um, but I think when we toe the line of like what is appropriate humor and what isn't, it's it's just important to consider how people would react uh, given their own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Like if I was listening to this podcast, I'd 
probably be like, oh, you definitely shouldn't joke about any of that. Right. But now that I'm here and I'm interacting with you guys, I'm thinking, you know, what is the line? What yeah. is the and mm. and I think like your point of saying like who's alive and who's not is definitely pertinent to what is funny or what isn't. But what even is humor? Like, why are things funny Whoa. in the first place? And mm. I think it's because like when we turn something so painful into something funny, but we haven't actually experienced that pain, but we get to benefit from the humor and have a couple laughs, mm. it feels unfair. It's kind of mm. cheap. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cheap laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's like, I guess that's why you can make fun of yourself right. and it never feels wrong or offensive. Mm -hmm. But you are mocking the Imago Day. Mm. Bruh, Ooh. no self-deprecating humor allowed. None. <laughs> Dang, I need to stop talking then. <laughs> yeah. Apart from how small and weak Ethan is at the gym. <laughs> I've seen him work out. He can't do anything. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's like, I bench a good 120. Tucker's like, it's not self-deprecating if I'm making fun of Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> it's not self-deprecation exactly. if I'm mocking him. But also, he's not a person. He's just a guy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're not um, a person. You're a Christian. Actually, he's the only dude not made in the image this of was a This was a, a headliner that I didn't throw in. We worked out together for the first time. No, that wasn't the first time. So the first time you ever... That was the first time we ever worked out together. No, we went for a run before. No, but that's different. That was a run. That's a workout. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's stop is defining it... humor and start defining workout. Yeah, is a run a workout? <laughs> I mean, it is a workout, but it wasn't a lift workout. There you go. <laughs> it was an Uber workout. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was fun. Yeah. A um, lot, of, lot of rabbit trails at the end. That were good rabbit trails to go. Honestly, down. those were yeah. I didn't expect to define humor or when something is appropriate. Did we actually define it? Up. No, I think we just I don't like, think no. we ever defined it. <laughs> we just referenced. We just it. laughed about it, but that's the point, right? Mm. But yeah, that was a long one. We're over time. Not that we have a time limit, but we went long. <laughs> Not <laughs> like, that anybody Ethan wants to always stop does listening this. He's to like, me. yeah, we like really went over time. Well, you know <laughs> but those podcasts? Then he'll hit me back and be like, yeah, we don't want to keep a time limit on anything. <laughs> well, you, yeah, that always is a weird thing for me. It's like when a podcast host is like, well, that's about our time. We got to wrap up. It's like, who, who, who is imposing this time limit on you? Yeah, like who set like, this restriction? <laughs> like, you know, Joe Rogan so talks true. for four hours. You're allowed to. You can, but we aren't the <laughs> Joe yeah, Rogan that man experience. Does talk. That's going to be like, yeah, we, we we don't have that type of follower group baseline. No one's going to sit here and listen to us for five yeah, hours. Yeah, we don't deserve to have opinions because nobody cares. <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah, who who has endured this long? Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that our time's up for this. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, I know we're having so much fun, um, but we can wrap it up there. So, listener, if you have feedback or you just want to say hello, feel free to Gmail us. That's attractivechristians at gmail.com. Or you can uh, Instagram us, follow us on Instagram, send us a DM. Check or our TikTok out. TikTok, YouTube. That's about all. Is that it? The Gmail is the biggest one. We love We got to count how many social like medias the, we have because we always forget we one. We like the Google Hangouts. <laughs> we just sit in the chat room. <laughs> Have a Tinder swipe for more ideas. Yeah. <laughs> the attractive Christian's Tinder <laughs> pops up in like different people's areas. That's a, that, we should use that for ads. That would be hilarious. Why haven't we done Free that? Free advertising. You can text Tucker. His phone number is 
I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, I thought you were for real. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> I was like, dang. I'm oh, like, it's not 720. Like two area codes away. 970. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> relax, <laughs> relax. Slow it up on. <laughs> Aspen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that an Aspen area code? It is a Western Slope area code. Oh, yeah. cool. You guys going to have to cut that out? <laughs> no, nah, people know where I'm from. Okay. And they could probably search the area code. Yeah. It's not, dang. that's not any big news. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so hit us up. We'd love to hear from you guys, um, just like we did with Chad and Miriam today. So uh, huge thanks again to CJ Banks for being with us. Oh, seriously. Yeah. It's been awesome having you. Thanks, yeah, thanks for great, opening up. Great convo. Yeah. Um, Krista for filming us. Tucker for forgetting most of what he was talking about. Ethan <laughs> for showing up for once. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> anyway. What? <laughs> he never shows up, man. That's funny. Um, He'll be there, but he just doesn't show up. What? Dang, you got to be present, man. Dude, show up. Tucker's just talking because he's sad that he missed the last couple episodes. Yeah. Because of baby Jose. No, I'm I'm not sad about that. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. We'll get him on the pod. He'll, yeah, he'll we just will. be sitting here staring Hot at father. you. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. And shout out to Annie and Mark, our producers and editors. Extraordinaires. Oh, yeah. Huge shout out. Do we have a sponsor? No. <laughs> God. (laughs) (laughs) Our sponsor for this podcast is water. You just go to your nearest restaurant and say, I'd like my free glass of water on the Attractive Christians podcast. (laughs) And they will give it to you. Yeah. Because we are sponsored by water. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Anyways, thanks for listening. This has been the Attractive Christians podcast for real this time. Love you. Bye. (laughs) I don't sleep anymore.